Hello, high school hockey fans. Welcome to the first this week in Wisconsin prep hockey for the 2023-2024 high school hockey season. I am Bill Berg Jr. I will be your fill-in host tonight. Uh, our panel tonight is Bill Berg and Del Scanlon. How are you guys? We're muted. Summer went, summer went by fast and we're back to ready for hockey season. See, I'm not ready for hockey season, and I've already been in it for two months. No, well, uh, September 26th, I got the boot off my foot after having ankle surgery from uh, dropping the motorcycle on the ankle on July 30th. So, spent two months with that, and now seeing how the ankle is going to react to the cold. So now, which which of our bike accidents was more severe? You dropped a bike on your ankle, and I got run off the road while on a bicycle by a car. I see it was a 900 pound motorcycle laying on my right ankle. Ouch. Well, as we said, it is a new hockey season. So we've got some things that we'd like coaches and team page managers to, to make sure they do. Some of them probably should have been done before you started playing games. Um, but make sure your rosters are updated for the season. Uh, the most important thing to do with updating your rosters is to delete any players from last year's roster who have graduated or did not return to your team this season, don't rename them. If someone else got that same number, delete the player uh, from this year's roster if they're not there anymore, and then create the new ones. Uh, it saves uh, everybody a whole lot of headaches if you take care and, and get that done. Right, and that's that's why we we always encourage you. I mean, if you want to put their grade in there, ninth grade, tenth grade, whatever, you can do that. You have to change it every year. But if you just put the graduation year, then you just look at the roster and just delete anybody that's 2023, um, you know, because that's the red shirted or that's uh, why we uh, use that's why we use, academically ineligible if they, you know, that's why we use grad year on the site instead of class, you know, because you never have to update it. You put them in as a freshman, you set the grad year four years out and you never have to update it unless, you know, they get held back a year which is pretty rare for athletes. So, yeah. you know, you never have to update it. It should be good. So delete everybody with a 23 next to their name. Uh, or if you didn't update them, you know, have them last year, delete anybody that graduated and you should be all set. Uh, like I noticed, uh, and I was following on Twitter this weekend, I'm pretty sure Frederick Henningsgaard in Amory is like a 12th year senior. Um, either that or all the seasons of all these players over the years are just running together. And as we're going on, you know, the next thing is, is welcome to all the new coaches this year. There seem to be quite a few of them. And if you have any questions about how to update the site, please reach out to the staff and we'll make sure we get you some paperwork on how to do it. Yeah, Burglar has been ignoring his real job and responding to coach emails pretty solidly for the last two months. That was kind of old school. It's not really paperwork anymore. <laughs> There's no paper involved. It looks complicated at first, but once you figure it out, any any idiot can do it. Yeah, uh, MJ is able to do it. So he's, he's not, not here. We can pick on him. He's fair game. He's not here. You're not allowed to pick on him. <laughs> oh, I think that goes the other way. 
Now for the worst segue ever, uh, how about some uh, games you went to this weekend, Murder? Sure, I can do that. Uh, my grandson, Brett, and I have been going over uh, to the western part of the state, I think each of the last three years, for sectional finals, where we catch a game on Friday, somewhere over there, and then either one or two games on Saturday uh, for sectional finals and cover as much as we can. And, you know, I, we kind of talked about it over the summer, so we could probably do that at the beginning of the season, too. So we looked, and um, there was a Thanksgiving tournament going on in Somerset, and there was a Thanksgiving tournament going on in Eau Claire. So on Saturday, on well, yes, I, I thought it, all day long, I thought it was Saturday, but it was really only Friday. Um, we were wondering why we couldn't get the, the Michigan-Ohio State score all day Friday and because it was a Saturday game, but um, that's just me being old. Um, but we went over we went over to Somerset. Uh, we like Somerset, uh, that rank, that association. Uh, Dan Gilkerson, they got a nice program over there. Um, we got there. Uh, the first game was Eau Claire North beat Reedsburg, Wisconsin Dells, 3-1. to one. Uh, notable in that game was Coach Ryan Parker for Notre, for Eau Claire North. That was his 200th win in that game. Uh, there was a school official on hand that you know had a little plaque uh, made for you know we back put took pictures that put it on the site uh, to mark the milestone. We like those big round numbers, you know, 100, 200, 300, that kind of thing. So congratulations to Coach Parker uh, for that. Um, the Huskies doubled up RWD, uh, no longer the Cheevers, um, on shots, uh, 38 to 19. But uh, Reed's, RWD goalie Alex Grevy kept him in the game. He was he, he was busy. Um, they, they kept him real busy. Um, Eau Claire North ended up getting a, an even strength goal, a power play goal, and a shorthanded goal in that game. And, and RWD scored uh, late, uh, less than a minute left in the game when they when they finally broke through but uh that was that was a good game um then after that uh somerset and antigo um antigo showed up with only 13 skaters and a goalie um they have two goalies listed on their roster but the backup goalie is a good enough skater that he was of more value uh putting on the regular equipment and skating on the second line than he was sitting on the bench in goalie pads so he he played, and you know if, I, if something would happen, I'm sure he'd have suited up, but uh, nothing did. Um, but Antigo, yeah, they had 13 skaters, and and I'm I'm pretty sure there were two I never did see hit the ice. Uh, so they're basically skating two lines with an extra skater, and Somerset was able to roll four lines. Um, so Antigo started out each period with a little bit of jump. They scored four minutes into the first period, five minutes into the second period, and six minutes into the third period, and then just kind of faded away. <laughs> and uh, Somerset ended up winning the game eight to three. They just, you know, Antigo could start out good and then, you know, just couldn't follow it up. Uh, senior captain Malachi Driscoll had a hat trick for Somerset, and another senior captain, Wyatt Connors, uh, chipped in with four assists. Um, we didn't stay there. We went to Eau Claire after that. But on Saturday, RWD beat Antigua 3-1 to in the consolation game. And Eau Claire North beat Somerset 4-3 to in overtime in the championship game of that tournament. 
But we packed up after the the Anago Somerset game and went to Eau Claire, um, where on Saturday morning uh, we saw uh, Superior and Wausau West. Uh, because on on Friday when we weren't there, Notre Dame beat Superior two to one, and Eau Claire Memorial beat Wausau West four to two. So the consolation game, which apparently Twitter uh, auto filled for me as the consolidation game. Uh, on the, the the post we made, uh, Su- Superior took that game six to two, and I I know it's an old joke and it's not a good one, but there there are times when you know maybe the coach you know when a penalty is called on the other team maybe just want to decline it, um, because Superior scored three shorthanded goals, including one that was actually a a, a five on three for Wausau West and, and Superior scored on that. Um, that was uh, Jackson Marthal, a defenseman. He got the puck. The puck was in the in in the superior zone, five on three. He got the puck just above the hash marks, right even with the the West defenseman. And Marthal just turned on the Jets, left that defenseman behind, got to the middle of the ice where the other defenseman was, and he just spun him in circles. And then went in and and beat the goaltender. Um, it was it was quite an individual show on that one. Um, West controlled the puck for most of the time in the first and second periods. There maybe Superior was just playing the old rope dope. They just sit back there and absorb all the shots and absorb the shots, and then you know pounce, get an odd man rush or a breakaway. A um, couple of times, you know they uh, their first their first shorthanded goal was you know. Uh, Ford, you know, blocked a shot from the defenseman on the power play, and you know the puck rebounded ahead of him, and he took off and had a breakaway. Um, so, um, oh, and and for Wausau West, uh, it looked like their top Superior must have identified Cooper DePoint as their their top skater because um, they gave him the, the star treatment, and the star treatment from Superior is anytime you get the puck. Um, you're going to have two guys in your face immediately. And it was like that all game for him. Um, they just kind of abused him. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Brett was there taking pictures. And, you know, after the game, he came over to me and said, uh, yeah, Superior's got some nice fans. And he says, well, how's that? He said, well, I, know, I was just talking to a couple of them over there. And, you know, they seem really nice. I said, just whenever Superior comes down, you know, into in, down south in Wisconsin, you know, they always get screwed by the refs. And I said, well, that's that's kind of a, a a tradition in Superior. Whether it happens or not, you know, is up for debate. But if you're in Superior, you you just assume it, it happens. I don't know, Bill, how many times have you heard me tell the, the 1976 state championship game where, you know, Superior kept getting penalties for looking at Mark Johnson funny. Um, Superior always thinks they get through. And to, to make their point... Um, they took three penalties in the first game against Notre Dame, and Notre Dame, Notre Dame got one. Um, and in the, the this game, we watched they took six penalties, and what West didn't get called for any. So you know that might that's not going to dissuade people from Superior that they're not getting the short end when, when they come down. But um, anyway, it was a good game. Um, and then the, the championship game. Eau Claire Memorial uh, beat Notre Dame four to one. 
these are two good teams. Um, fast, uh, skilled. Um, Oakwood Memorial, for the most part, was just bigger and stronger, uh, with the exception of James Flanagan. He, he's he's a beast for Notre Dame. Um, but Notre Dame will hit, or Eau Claire will hit anything that moves. And they'll even hit stationary objects if they get in their way. Um, so yeah, they were just, they were just not, they were just, it was, it was very physical game from, from Eau Claire Memorial. Um, in fact, the first period was pretty much all defense for both sides, scoreless, very few shots even got through the net. There were no, no passes that made it into the slot. There were no rebounds. There was just, you know, six shots from the outside for one team, four shots from the other team from the outside. Um, nothing really challenging. Um, but Eau Claire just dominated the second period, out shooting Notre Dame 17 to 5. They scored two goals in that period. Um Eau Claire Memorial, at least according to the roster that they had printed up there, started a freshman goalie against the defending state champions in the championship game of your home tournament. Now, they either had real confidence in this kid or they wanted to, you know, throw him to the wolves. But, I mean, his, his defense, they, I mean, they, they, they had him, they had his back the whole game. I mean, they, like I said, they didn't let anything go in front. The one goal he gave up was actually a, 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 a shot from, you know, just inside the blue line that he had a clear lane and he tracked it all the way. And he, he was actually watching it. You could see it looking it into his glove, except, you know, the puck was up just a little bit higher than his glove was. And he, ju he just missed it. And he was in position. It was, I, mean, I think he, I think he probably wanted that one back. Um, but otherwise, yeah, his defense did a nice job. He really didn't have to do a whole lot. And um, when he got called, he, he, he answered. So it was a, it was a good game, uh, a fun game. Um, and it was much warmer there than it was in Somerset at Hobbs. But uh, that was it for – that was my four games in two days. So, Dell, what do you see? Well, on November 17th, I made the little trip down to Madison Ice Arena where I watched the University School of Milwaukee Wildcats take on the Metro Lynx. Uh, very good game. Uh, USM scored in the first period. Uh, and that was it. It was one to nothing at the end of one. Jots were six, seven to five in the period. Real close game. Uh, it was a power play goal in that period. Second period, university school uh, went up by a goal. Metro Lynx came right back, pulled back to within one. Uh, but then USM scored two even strength goals to end up with a four to one lead at the end of two periods. Third period belonged to the Metro Lynx. They ended up scoring two. And made it a one-goal game uh, for the Metro Lynx to fall to USM Wildcats. The big thing I took out of this is it's, these are two teams that last year uh, did extremely well in their conference. Metro Lynx went undefeated in the Badger Conference, and USM actually won the regular season conference 
for Eastern Shores. And then on the 21st, I made another road trip and went on over to Wisconsin Rapids and watched RWD, who you heard Burglar talk about earlier, take on the uh, Red Raiders of Wisconsin Rapids. And this was a game that was dominated by the Red Raiders. They, at the end of two periods, had outshot RWD 26-12, to 12, but only held on to a 2-1 to one lead. Uh, the goalie for uh, RWD kept them in the game. Uh, Rapids scored two more goals in the third period. They end up winning the game 4-1. to one. But uh, Reby for RWD uh, stopped 37 to 41 shots in that game. Uh, and uh, talking to, you know, a few of the fans around and stuff, they were saying they had lost a lot of scoring for RWD uh, coming into this year, and they were going to have a young team. But the players for uh, Rapids that really impressed me were number 18, Carson Gauss, and 19, Josh Dekarski. And with that, I'm going to toss it back on over to the other Bill Berg to take over. Our well, host. Before he does that, I just wanted to comment that you probably didn't realize it at the time. But the photo that you put on the front page from that game uh, features young uh, Willa Leniker, number 25, for the Metro Lynx, taking the shot. And she is a freshman. This was her first game at the high school level, and she is the daughter of Pete Lenniker, who went to school and played hockey and baseball with Bill and Bob Bolt uh, in Antigone. I did not really have any clue on that. So Pete has the distinction of being, I'm pretty sure, not including the guys that were Bob's age level, but the guys that were my age level, the only one that I played with that I'm Facebook friends with. So there's that. But now moving back uh, this week, the best Western premier park hotel players of the week are coming next week. Uh, so send in your nominations for players of the week. Um, we will vote on those nominations. If a coach sends in a nomination, it counts as a vote. Um, and it can include any games from the start of the season through Saturday, December 4th. And then it will be included in next week's podcast for the first player of the week of the season. Uh, boys and girls and then top sixes uh, will start the second full week in december so coaches um, can start voting um december 10th uh, and then it will be included and announced uh the podcast we record on december 11th uh so actually saturday is december 2nd whatever <laughs> december 4th will actually be the night that we do our podcast for that's must be players. what i meant Saturday, That's December nice. 2nd. One reason I know that is because it's my anniversary. So, And everybody send birthday wishes to Burglar on the 8th. All right, so that's the players of the week and the top sixes. Uh, upcoming games of the week, Tuesday, Burglar and I will be at the Northwest Iceman versus D.C. Everest at the new Green Heck Turner Community Center. Uh, the hockey rink part is still where it was before. They're just adding a whole indoor soccer field onto it next door. 
Uh, and then uh, Friday, Dell will be at the Icebergs versus Cap City at the Ice Pond at Wanaki. So, uh, as we go from there into final thoughts, I've already got some brackets for the holiday tournament coming up to the end of December. I've got the uh, Culver's Cup brackets for both the boys and girls varsity. And I think we have one or two girls teams that are going up to the Herb Brooks Classic. And I got the brackets for those. Well, and we know that, uh, or we think anyway, that our tournament uh, on the girls' side, the Wisconsin Prep Hockey Girls Holiday Classic, I think that in Eau Claire this year, uh, I looked at the schedule for those days and the teams that are normally in that tournament are all in Eau Claire to be determined. So I think that's in Eau Claire. I know the, the showdown in Town is going on. And also there's a tournament at the Community First Center in Appleton um, that's got a lot of interesting teams in it as well. So if the organizers of those tournaments or anybody involved in those tournaments who has a copy of the bracket, uh, if there's a program or a bracket or something, can send those to us. We like to get all that stuff set up ahead of time. So we like to cover as much uh, action as we can during the holiday tournament. I know I take the week off between uh, Christmas and New Year's just for that purpose, to, to go and cover uh, hockey, because it's a way to see a bunch of games in a short period of time, and who doesn't like that? Um, so, yeah, if you know of any tournament, if, you know, if your team is involved, if you know what the brackets are, send it to us. Uh, I believe the Community First Champion Center is in Grand Chute, not Appleton. On the on the site, it it, it gives the address as Appleton. Yes, it is in Grand Chute. It is owned. It was owned and built by the city of Grand Chute or village of Grand Chute, whatever they are. The same people that built that lovely baseball complex they have over there. If you build it, they will come. That was their motto, and it's working for them very well. I think. Um, that is a marvelous facility. Uh, two hockey rinks, two full-size basketball, volleyball courts, whatever you want, wherever they want to use them for. Um, yeah, nice place. So, Dell, do you uh, miss having kids in hockey? Because um, I'm going to be I'm going to be at the rink Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday this week. When when my kids were involved in ho hockey the last time, and Collins, the youngest, and he's closing in on 30 now with two two kids of his own. Uh, they, not only was I watching them do running practices, at one point I was the rink manager and the referee scheduler for uh, Reedsburg Youth Hockey. Um, so I was scheduling the ice time for games, practices, uh, besides uh, doing a little bit of coaching and Keeping involved, let's put it that way. So, so to a point, I do miss it. Uh, this year, I don't even have a grandchild playing. I, I have nobody left in hockey at this point. Um, and with that being said, one thing I did want to bring up is one thing. You saw our news article out there 
Uh, the senior tournament is going to be back this year. And they're already getting registrations coming in for that tournament. So any seniors that are out there, if you're thinking about playing in the uh, senior tournament, find the article uh, with the information and the registration papers because they're they're expecting that to fill up this year was and everything. So. And where is it going to be again? It's going to actually be in Lake Delton at the Lake Delton Ice Arena, what formerly known as Poppy Waterman. Why is it not known as Poppy Waterman anymore? Uh, Lake Delton took it over, and they actually have somebody hired that's in there running it, uh, Aaron Kirby. The, there's a junior hockey team that plays out of there, uh, and I don't don't even get me involved into what levels of junior hockey there are because I can't keep track of them. But, uh, yeah, so it's going to be ran out of there in March. And that concludes my final thoughts. I guess I worked mine in there too during that period. I have a final thought. Why aren't net guards mandatory? Even USA Hockey recently just reiterated that they're recommended, but not mandatory. You, I don't know. That is what that is one thing that always bothered me that they weren't. My, I made my my kids wear them. Uh, it was harder once they got to high school for for me for them to be kept on for some reason. But all the way up through their Bantam level, my children wore them. Uh, I, and one of the reasons for me, it was when my brother-in-law was playing hockey at the Shell there in Madison, the game before them, uh, Blade went over the wrist of one of the players and cut the tendons and stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, if it's that quick that that can happen, Well, and they've, I mean, they, they've come a long way from the neck guards back in those days. It was just a hard plastic thing with, you know, in a little turtleneck dicky kind of thing that you strapped around your neck. I um, mean, now they have them. That's just like a, just like a, like a Kevlar sleeve that just, you know, covers your neck. It, it's, it's not uncomfortable like the other ones were. I, mean, I suppose it's, I mean, you, you might sweat a little bit, but um, like, I know there's even uh, like uh Mine's built into Oshie, my shirt. TJ Oshi has a has a, a company that makes them. Um, like my, like I'm not an elite hockey player, but I still wear like the base layer stuff because I don't want my nasty hockey equipment actually touching my skin. Um, so like the the base layer shirt I wear has a neck a cut proof neck guard built in. I don't even have to think about it. I just put my shirt on and it's there. And uh, I, I, but I'm the only, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person in our men's group that plays on Sunday night that wears neck protection other than the two goalies. So you, you played hockey and Bur burglar, you, you still play adult hockey or no? Yeah, I still like, well, 
I skate on Sunday nights. Okay. Debatable <laughs> but, whether I actually play hockey or not. Um, I, I mean, you guys have more of a feeling for this than I do because I, I was never a participant in hockey. So, I, I mean, I so I don't understand the comfort levels of it, but, you know, safety, it sometimes overcomes the comfort. And what are your personal feelings on it? Well, I mean, the the, the personal feelings on it are going to go one way or another. Like certain people just think I'm not going to get cut. I don't need it. I don't need it on my neck. It's fine. And I'll go without it. And like I was just shopping for a new base layer shirt and I saw one. It was on sale. It had a neck protector built in. So that's what I bought. It was just like, okay, my neck will be protected. And I don't think about it beyond that. Um I like having it there. It doesn't change the way I do anything on the ice or anything like that. And it's not like, like burglar said, when I was a kid, I mean, the neck protector was, you know, a hard piece of plastic covered in some nasty fabric. And, you know, it was, I mean, of your, of all your equipment, other than like your jock, your neck protector was probably the grossest by the end of the season. Um, Just because of how much sweat pours out of your face, but they're not like that anymore. And I don't know. I think, some people just don't think they need it and it's not mandatory equipment from USA hockey. So until it is, I don't think that's ever going to change. Sometimes you have to tell people what to do. You had to tell car companies to put in seat belts. You had to tell car companies to put in airbags. You still have to tell people to wear the seatbelt. And sometimes you can't tell fat old men anything because I think the only equipment that I wear that I didn't wear when I was a kid is I've got a half shield on my helmet. Um, I never wore shoulder pads. I never wore a face mask. You know, I still don't. I have a half shield on my helmet because I think they were mandatory the last time I was refing. Yes. Um, so I so I put it on my helmet. Um, otherwise, I don't I don't wear equipment that I never wore before. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, making things mandatory. I think it's silly that I have to wear a helmet when I'm coaching mites. But I put it on. It's a 40-year-old helmet. It is mostly for coaching mites. It became mandatory after some mite coach got taken out from behind and went back and smacked his head on the ice and killed himself. Yeah, I, I have. I have taken a couple elbow injuries from those little bastards taking me out. Yeah. They come at you from behind, little yeah, what you call them. <laughs> but that, well, yeah, that is that is specifically why they have to wear them. Yeah, it's not mandatory <laughs> equipment for USA Hockey. It's not mandatory equipment for the NFHS. I think it should be. Uh, I don't think it hurts the players in any way, and in the long run, it probably saves a life. Yeah, if they start wearing it when they're young, they're used to it, it's not a big deal. Well, this was a short one, but you know, we're just getting warmed up. Yep. So MJ's not here. If anybody else has anything else, speak now. All right. Uh, that's it for this week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I am Bill Jr. and I was here with my dad. Bill Berg and Del Scanlon, and we will see you next week. Thank you.